Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday morning here in Tucson. It is December the 30th, 2021, the uh, penultimate day of the year of 2021, and our final show of the year because uh, we are off tomorrow. So this will be a, uh, a football Friday edition on a Thursday, and it is basically all football talk today. And, um, well, that couldn't make me any happier than it does right now. So you're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, as we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Here for the next two hours with you, I have a litany of predictions to make today because, as you know, the college football playoff kicks off tomorrow. The two semifinal games, the Cotton Bowl and the Orange Bowl, pitting the what is – considered to be the top four teams in the country in college football and uh, their chance to advance to the national championship game, which we will be talking about. Uh, I have quite a bit to say on uh, on those two games. Very interesting matchups. You know, there's a couple of big underdogs. We've seen that in the past these semifinal games have been absolute blowouts before, um, and that may be the case again this year. I'm not exactly sure, but I I kind of like the matchups, honestly. Like, the way that the matchups worked out, I'm kind of happy that it wasn't Cincinnati playing against Georgia, which is, I don't know, I just I, def- I feel like Georgia matches up better against Cincinnati than Alabama does, just kind of the way they play and what their what their focus is. And I'm also glad that, that uh, Michigan didn't, cha- you know, didn't play Alabama. If Michigan's going to play Alabama, I'd rather them play for the national championship as opposed to a semifinal because I think – I do think those are the two best teams in the country, uh, Michigan and Alabama are. Um, and we'll, we'll, talk about, uh, we'll talk about that. I'll give you my predictions for the games and the scores and all that kind of stuff, and I'll break down some, some key players on, uh, on every team, you know, on, on both sides of the ball, and uh, maybe give you something to, you know, to look for, a different, a different set of eyeballs that have you know, kind of watched these teams play and studied some of their numbers and their tendencies and things like that, and maybe give you something else to look at while you're watching the games. And enjoying the games on your uh, on your New Year's Eve. We've also got uh, plenty of NFL to talk as NFL Week 17 coming up. Every game is going to be played on Sunday, and then there's one game on Monday, obviously. But uh, no Thursday night game. This is the you know the, the first week without Thursday night football, and then no Saturday football because of college bowl games. It being New Year's Day and stuff. So it's going to be a great weekend of college sports. Uh, you, you know, today, tomorrow. And Saturday as well with the New Year's Six Bowls. And then on Sunday, man, it is a weekend chock full of football. And it's just, a, you know, it's one of the, like, people I get asked, everybody, you know, everybody, oh, what are you doing for New Year's? What are you doing for New Year's? I'm like, I'm watching football. <laughs> They're like, you don't have any plans? I'm like, yes, I do have plans. I have a lot of plans to watch football. I'm going to hunker down, and I'm going to enjoy a lot of high-level football this weekend whether it be at the collegiate level or at the NFL level. Because I'll be honest with you folks, I'm not I'm not a big I'm not a big like holiday going out for like holiday stuff. Like I rarely, rarely go out on New Year's Eve. 
it's amateur hour. Like like the drinking holidays, like St. Paddy's Day, Cinco de Mayo, uh, New Year's Eve, like all like all the big drinking holidays. I stay away because it's amateur hour. It's like all the jagaloons on earth who don't know how to handle their liquor go out and they just go wild, and it just turns into huge problems. <laughs> like I just I I can't deal with those people. I worked. I worked as a bartender for a couple of years, long time ago, long, long time ago, um, and I just it, it it gave me a new insight. You know, as you're as you're serving these people and you watch them go from, you know, cordial, kind, nice, you know, well thought out people, and then within two hours they're just complete idiots. I just I can't do it. So, <laughs> I tend to stay away on the drinking holidays. Not to mention it's just, I don't know, maybe I'm just getting old and crotchety in my uh, in my old age but it's just safer to, you know it's uh it's 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 just safer to do it and it's a hell of a lot cheaper i'll tell you that much um you know i do advise you to if you're going to be going out this weekend look just be smart okay don't do stupid stuff um i'm sure that you and i all know somebody who has gotten a dui or has been in an accident with someone involved who was under the influence just, you know, think before you get in the car, and that's my little message for today, okay? Just be safe this holiday, and remember that even though you're being safe, there's probably 10,000 people around you who aren't, so be careful out there. That's why I stay in stay in on these types of holidays, and I'm not one of those people like a shut-in or anything like, oh, I can't leave my house or anything. I'm certainly not that person. I just pick my days when not to do so, and to be honest, there's no better day to do it than this weekend or this weekend to do it than, you know, what we see here because of all the great football action that we, that, that's going to be going on. So super excited for the weekend. Plus, there's you know, there's NBA going on. Suns are going to be in action. There's some big NBA games happening. Uh, if you're an NHL fan, there's plenty of NHL action going on, although a lot of those games have been canceled um, but uh, because of the uh, COVID protocols and whatnot. But, you know, it's uh, it's 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 a good weekend of sports, great weekend of sports, actually. You know, it's it's funny. I talked yesterday about John Morant, and you know how much I I'm a I'm a fan of John Morant. I've I've watched him play at Murray State. Thought he was just a spectacular young talent. Just kind of needed to get more of the, you know, like the the professional style game of basketball under his belt. He was already a hooper. Like he could, he you know, he's got bounce and he's got swag and he, he's got he's got all that stuff. Uh, he just needed to get more of the professional game under his belt. And now he's got that. Like, he has adapted extremely well to the NBA. He hit the Suns with a floater that uh, at the buzzer the other night that, that sunk the Suns and, and gave them an L. And last night on LeBron's birthday, <laughs> he buried the Lakers. And I mean buried them. Hung a 41 on the Lakers. Now, granted... That's not like the most impressive thing in the world. They're one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Uh, but the Lakers, who were up 13 in the third quarter, like going into the fourth, Lakers are up 13. And then John Morant comes out with about, I think he came out to play like the last minute or so of the third quarter and then played the entire fourth quarter, was just uh, lights out. Like he was just, uh, Wow. Scored 16 points in the final. What he scored 16 points in the final 14 minutes of that game. Right? Is that is that basically what it breaks down to? It's pretty impressive. <laughs> right? That's pretty good. Uh, pretty good point per minute number that he's got there. And uh, Memphis outscored the Lakers from the time that he checked into the game 
Memphis outscored the Lakers 37-19 to to come out and, uh, and close it out, 104-99. The Grizz beat the Lake Show in Los Angeles on LeBron's birthday. I, I, I couldn't be happier right now, <laughs> to be honest with you. So uh, so that was that was fun to uh, to watch and um, a little had to put a few shekels on that game so I'm very happy about that as well I was able to walk up to the the uh, the digital FanDuel Sportsbook uh, you know ticket window and cash that ticket in and enjoy that that was uh, that was nice lost a couple other ones <laughs> but that's all right I would, when did Utah stop shooting three pointers? Like seriously, like they they lead the NBA in three pointers made, and last night they were just like, "Nah, we're not going to shoot any tonight." Okay, thanks a lot. Appreciate that. I digress. We move on. There was some fun college football in action last night, wasn't there? The Oklahoma Sooners and the Oregon Ducks in the Alamo Bowl. The game started off, and you're like, "You're like, oh man, Pac-12." What? Oh boy, it was thirty to three. At one point in that game, like Oklahoma was just boat racing Oregon. And then all of a sudden, Oregon showed up for the game. Like they just like they'd forgotten to get off the bus or something or come out of the locker room. And then all of a sudden they showed up and the offense just came to life. And they started going up and down the field on Oklahoma. And they got a couple of stops here and there, but they weren't able to get enough. You know, they were kind of able to get a stop, but Oklahoma would kick a field goal. Um you know, or, or you know, they'd they'd make a mistake on on uh, on defense and give Oklahoma a first down, you know, penalties and things like that. It, it was it was a better game in the second half certainly than it was in the first half. And I'll be honest, I mean, I, I like I root for the Pac-12. When, when the Pac-12, if if there's no rooting interest in the you know in the in the thing, like you know, if if you know, obviously Arizona's not playing, but if if there's a player or a coach that I'm not really, you know, familiar with or that I personally like, um, then I, you know, I just, I just root for the PAC 12. I just, I'm like, ah, just, it looks good for the conference. If Oregon beats Oklahoma, uh, even though Oklahoma's season was quote unquote, so disappointing this year, <laughs> I, I, I give, you have no idea what I would give to have a disappointing season like Oklahoma had for like three years in a row at Arizona. It's coming. It's coming. Going to get there. So 11-2 and two on the season for the Sooners. And Bob Stoops, they call Bob Stoops, the old, the old ball coach, comes off, the, uh, comes off of the bench, literally the, uh, the announcer's bench, to coach the Oklahoma Sooners in the Alamo Bowl. And the, that is <laughs> the way that he went about the press conferences leading up to the game and, you know, the way that, you know, the, 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 uh, you know, like the scheme or the, you know, the game plan, I guess, that he laid out. It was all it was all just for having fun. Like he was for the first time in my life I saw Bob Stoops having fun. Like enjoying himself on a sideline. We know the Stoops family extremely well here in Tucson. <laughs> They're not the, the the most uh I I guess jovial people when standing on a sideline coaching a football game. Bob Stoops, I've had a chance to to uh, cover three different Oklahoma games in bowl games. Obviously, they were in the Fiesta Bowl several times um, to cover Bob Stoops, and and um, I, for whatever reason, I was always I was I was always covering the opposite team. We would kind of flip a coin and see who's going to cover the winner and the loser. And for whatever reason, I always dodged Oklahoma. Um, I did get to cover him once and, and and talk with Bob Stoops. 
uh, I really enjoyed my time with with Bob. It was just a, just a couple of minutes, but uh, enjoyed my time with Bob Stoops. And you know, after that, it kind of came away from like I, you know, he's a decent guy. You know, I mean, you you, you get that. When you, when you work in any business and you meet somebody for the first time, somebody who is a high-profile person, you know, if, if you work uh, in an office and you get to meet your, your president or your vice president or your CEO for the very first time, you know, this is someone who signs your checks and, you know, they're a high-profile person or whatever. Um, or if you've met a celebrity and, you know, and, and somebody, you, you can usually find out within like 60 to 90 seconds whether that person is cool or whether they're, you know, not someone you would ever hang out with ever. Um, and look, I've certainly met people like that. Urban Meyer, I've talked about it before. I never liked Urban Meyer to begin with. I've interviewed him twice. He was not a nice person. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> you can just tell, like I needed a shower afterwards. Kind of like when I met John Calipari, needed a shower. And, uh, Bob Stoops is definitely not that way. Bob Stoops is kind of like, you know, he's a regular dude. He played football in Iowa, you know, a Midwestern guy. And, you know, he's all about the business. And last night he was having a good old time. I think what kind of set that up was the, the press conference that he had um, a couple of days ago. There was, you know, the meeting with the media, this press conference, and the coaches are there and stuff. And I, I don't know the exact quote. And one of the media members said, how are you going to celebrate if, if Oklahoma wins the Alamo Bowl? And he says, oh, I don't know. How about a hot tub filled with tequila? And he kind of chuckled. He goes, what are they going to do, fire me? <laughs> I mean, that's that's great stuff. That's something you would never, ever get from Bob Stoops or any person last name of Stoops if they were legitimately, like, ingrained as the head coach of that program. Like, you would, they would never say that. That's one of the funniest things I've ever heard a coach say, literally. A hot tub full of tequila. What are they going to do, fire me? <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't get much better than that. So I was happy to see Bob Stoops uh, win that yesterday. Looking like he's having a good time out there. It's just like it's 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 football, especially it's college, it's amateur, it's college football. You know, and I know that NIL is starting to change things, and these guys are taking a more professional approach, and it's taken a little bit away of the, um, I don't know, whimsy. Maybe is is maybe it's not the appropriate word, but I guess that's the word I'm coming up with. Uh, the, the whimsy of of college football. It's you know before it used to be. You know, the boys going out and having a good time and enjoying themselves. And, you know, there was obviously plenty of opportunity to win championships if you were, you know, Nebraska and USC and Oklahoma and all these other, you know, big-time programs, Miami and Alabama and all that, Notre Dame. But, you know, you still like – we're just, we're just amateurs. You know, we're having a good time. Coaches were, you know, leaders of men and, you know, teaching these young boys how to, you know, how to become men in their lives and – you know, it, it, but now it's changed. Everything's gone, you know, full professional and guys are, look, I, I don't mind that they are more in control of their lives and their futures than they were in the past. I think that's a great thing. I think the focus has changed. Certainly, you know, I, I would like to see more of the players focusing on their careers outside of football. You know, it's, it's you get some really interesting insight into collegiate athletes when you get as close to them as people like you know people like us in the media or like myself who has traveled with a, a team for you know for a few years is with you know around the team a lot you get to hear some of the things the players are saying you notice the you know like the, the kind of the focus of these players and like I'm not gonna lie I've been around players and I've heard them say things like 
you know, when I get to the league or when I get, you know, when I get to the next level or I can't wait till I'm doing this at the, you know, the level, whether it's NBA, NFL, whatever. And I'm like, you're, I, I mean, I hope you do. I hope you're able to work hard enough and achieve your dream. I would certainly never begrudge anyone of that. But I'm like, you're not going to get, first of all, you're not going to get drafted. Uh, and second of all, I mean, you might want to focus on your accounting degree or whatever it is that you're working on because that's what's going to serve you for the rest of your life, not, you know, playing in the league at the age of 22 years old. So I'd like, you know, the focus has turned a little bit from the the scholastic as- aspect of, of collegiate sports, and it has turned into more of, like, marketing, trying to get into the professional ranks and that, you know, in certain ways, and influence on social media and whatever. And look, it, it's it's changed, and everything changed. Things adapt, things change, we evolve, uh, and that's all well and good. I just think some things are, you know, better left in, not in the past, but I guess in tradition. Um, I just think there's a smarter way to go about certain things, and that just seems to be one of them to me. Maybe, again, I'm just being old and crotchety here and get off my lawn, old man, but I like uh, I like these, these young men to get educations and uh, move forward in their lives in that way because we know the numbers. You know, there's 130 football programs out there, 85 scholarship players in each one, and there's 32 NFL teams with only 53 players on each of those teams. doesn't take long to figure out the math on that one that your odds aren't very good at playing in the NFL, even if you're a scholarship player, especially when you got Alabama with 22 guys that are going to go to the NFL that are starting on Saturdays for them. So, you know, those get, those get eaten up pretty quickly. And it's not like NFL guys are just in the league one day and gone the next. Some of them have pretty lengthy careers. So... But uh, you know, it was fun to see uh, fun to see Bob Stoops. I got off on a little tangent there. Sorry about that. But uh, some other college football action last night. Uh, Clemson they beat Iowa State. Good football game, and boy, Dabo was fired up. Like, I, I you know, I've I've covered Clemson before. They've they've played here in you know in in Glendale. They've played in Fiesta Bowls and national championships and stuff. And I've been around Dabo and. And Brent Venables and been around that program, and it's a very, very high energy program. They have a wonderful culture there. They uh, they've really cultivated them themselves nicely since Dabo got there. In fact, I was just having this conversation with somebody last night, um, and they were like, "Well, you know, what do you think Dabo would do?" And I'm like, "He is going nowhere except when that Alabama job opens up. That's the only job he'll take. Like he has the second best culture, the second best job in the country outside of the Alabama job." And that's where he's going to stay. So uh, it was it was good to see uh, you know Clemson kind of fight back after having that rough season that they had by Clemson standards, of course. And uh, you know Iowa State weird play. Brock Purdy got that ball tipped in the air, and then he like volleyballed it to another play. I'm like, I didn't know kind of what was going on there. Sometimes Brock's uh, decision making is a little bit questionable, I guess to say the least. That's be the kindest way about it. He's he's a great playmaker. He's a good kid. And I know his family, and they're good people. Sometimes his playmaking in, in the moment can be sometimes questionable, and certainly that was a big play last night. But So we'll look ahead to uh, to this weekend. As I mentioned, we got tons of football to talk about today. It's basically a football Friday here on a Thursday. The college football playoff weekend is ahead of us. We'll get into that next. The NFL coming up a little bit later on in the show. I'll have my Friday Five, my lock of the week, which I'm – some of you are going to be like, well, you're crazy. But – 
just you'll have to hear me out on that, but that's coming up later. You're listening here to the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Here till uh, 9 a.m. today. Don't forget to join Spears and Ali this afternoon from 3 to 6. They'll be live and uh, getting you ready for all the weekend's action as well. I'm sure they'll have their predictions for the college football playoff. So it will be interesting to see how theirs are uh, differing from mine, and I'm sure they will because I take a different approach to a lot of things. (laughs) So – uh, let's go ahead and dive into it, man. It's it's a big weekend. College football playoff, the semifinals, and you got what most people consider the top four teams in the country. You know, I'm not, and I'm on record as saying this. I don't I don't think that that uh, group of five teams belong in the in the playoff for the national championship. This Cincinnati team is a little different. Um, I just feel like. And look, and I said it before the season began that I could see Cincinnati running the table and playing for a national championship this year. That was one of my kind of like preseason, you know, outlandish predictions, you know, out there, you know, kind of things. And and I don't think it was all that, uh, all that far fetched to think that they could do that, which they did. And they deserve to be here. They've they've played extremely well. They're the only undefeated team in the country now that Georgia had lost in the SEC championship game to Alabama, and now they're going to get their shot at numero uno. The Cincinnati Bearcats, a 13-and-a-half-point underdog to the number one-ranked Alabama Crimson Tide, the defending champs, the multi-defending time, defending you know uh, champs in Alabama. They're going to be playing in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl tomorrow. That game is at 1.30. That's the early game. That's the afternoon game. The 1.30 game, that'll, uh, that'll be on ESPN. And, uh, look, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a strange matchup. And a lot of people are kind of like, oh, you know, Cincinnati's getting their doors blown off. And they very well may get their doors blown off by Alabama because when it comes to winning championships, Nick Saban and Alabama don't fool around. Like, they, they bury people. Um, they have been in a lot of lopsided victories when it comes to the playoff, and we've written them off before. The media, meaning fans, media have written off Alabama before. Like, well, they played that two-point game against Auburn, and boy, they really struggled against Florida earlier in the year, and it usually means very little when it comes to the college football playoff because, as you know, it's all about motivation for those guys. They all know they're going to go on to the league. I mean, that's if you play football at Alabama, real good chance that you're going to the league. It's just it's just what they do. They're a very an NFL factory. And even the guys who aren't, you know, big-time standouts at Alabama go into the league. Trayvon Diggs, might have heard of him. He's leading the NFL in interceptions right now. He's 11 interceptions on the season. Was kind of, you know, just a member of the, the Alabama defense. Played in the nickel packages a lot for, for Nick Saban. And, uh, you know, so there's value up and down that roster at Alabama for the NFL. When they, when they put their mind to something, when they have a, a common goal in mind, a common focus, it often comes together in a really big way, such as you saw in the SEC championship game. That was their chance to redeem their season. They had the loss to Texas A&M earlier on, 
their chance to to essentially get themselves into the playoff, win the SEC. Because if they had lost that game, they're not in the playoff. Their chances of, of, a, of a national championship, which is what everybody who goes to Alabama to do, uh, their chance of the national championship is gone. They they you know they're, at that point they're uh, eleven and eleven and two and they're done. They're 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 not getting in. Two lost team is not going to get in over some of these one lost teams. Certainly not the undefeated team of Cincinnati. So now they find themselves a two touchdown favorite, basically a two touchdown favorite in the Cotton Bowl. And I have some key players for the for the you know for both Alabama and for Cincinnati that I'd like to kind of focus on here. On offense for Alabama, I think their key player is Jamison Williams, the wide receiver, the uh, the the big home run threat, Jamison Williams. You know, John Mechie, who was their leading receiver all year long, 96 receptions, nearly 1,200 yards, eight touchdowns. He's out. He tore his ACL in the second quarter of the SEC title game, and you know, obviously he's not going to play. So that leaves them with Jamison Williams, who – had a lot of touchdowns this year. Had a lot of yards. He's a he's a big play threat. He's their he's their home run guy. He's had so many big plays this year. In fact, I think Alabama had nine. I think they had nine plays of fifty or more yards, and Williams had six of them. <laughs> so he's the big dude. You know, the guy that that is the deep threat, and he's going to be a huge key for Alabama because outside of Jamison Williams, they didn't throw the ball a whole lot to anybody else. Slade Bolden was third on the team in receptions. He had thirty two. And then you have a bunch of guys who are just kind of there. They've caught a few balls here and there. Um, they didn't use the tight ends a whole lot. Only 36 receptions by the tight end group uh, for Alabama this year. So it wasn't a, a big uh, uh, room for tight ends this year for uh, for Latu and uh, uh, Billingsley, the other tight end. So, you know, it's going to be on Jamison Williams as their, their big home run threat because Alabama can't run the football. They don't have – a great stable of running backs like we're used to seeing. You know, they've got you know, they've got Brian Robinson who is their, you know, their, you know, their number one back. He just barely got over 1000 yards at 14 touchdowns. He's got a he's got a, a leg injury. I mean, he's he'll play in the game, but he's not 100%. And then after that, their number 2 and their number 3 running backs are out. They've been out all season long. Um and so they're basically going with a converted wide receiver uh, Christian Leary to be their number two running back, and their number three running back is a linebacker. So they're thin at running back, and this is a team who scored a ton of points this year. I mean, obviously you look at their look at their numbers and where they were nationally as far as scoring offense. They're number four in the country in scoring, forty two and a half points per game, and it's you know Bryce Young obviously a huge part of that. And we obviously know that the quarterbacks are going to be key players. I'm trying to look for keys outside of the quarterbacks. So for me, on offense for Alabama, it's Jamison Williams. And on defense, it's their, their all-everything edge rusher, quarterback, sacker, guy that plays in the backfield, linebacker, Will Anderson Jr. He is a remarkable talent. We, we've all heard him, you know, heard his name being called before. He is a, you know, a very good football player. He's dangerous. Um, he plays in the backfield a lot. And it's going to be interesting to see how Cincinnati schemes him with Desmond Ritter because obviously Desmond Ritter can get out there and run their quarterback. It'll be interesting to see if they try to isolate Will Anderson to have him play more of the quarterback run, the quarterback keep, as opposed to letting him pin his ears back to get back in that defensive or the offensive backfield and wreak havoc back there. So it's going to be kind of a battle of wills there 
no pun intended, uh, with Will Anderson, whether or not he has that effect in the backfield like we've seen him have all year or if Cincinnati is able to get him to play sideline to sideline as opposed to going north and south, getting into the backfield and such. So I think he's their key player on defense. Uh, if he can if he can wreak havoc, Cincinnati has no chance. Uh, that's just plain and simple. If If Will Anderson has a big game, Cincinnati doesn't have a chance to win this football game. They're going to have to figure him out. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, we'll talk about Cincinnati's side of the ball because, you know, they've, they're not exactly the most explosive team in the country, but they're sneaky good when they need to be. And I'll explain that in just a moment and some of their keys to winning that football game. Each win means even more in the college football playoffs, and that's why FanDuel Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with that 30-to-1 enhanced odds on any team to win their semifinal game. That means you can just pick money line one team, throw down 5 bucks, and get $150 when that team wins. Any team to make the final. Now, for me, which you'll find out, I've already locked in my bets, and I, I'm sticking with them because that's just kind of what I do. I'm... I'm old and crotchety, and I'm stubborn, and that's what I do. I stick to, my, stick to my guns when I've made a decision. But if you sign up for FanDuel Sportsbook today, use my promo code DEAN, and you can stick to your guns as well and make a deposit to claim your 30-to-1 enhanced odds. Now, of course, FanDuel Sportsbook is America's number one sportsbook, and there's no better place to bet college football. They have a tremendous amount of promos and props out there that you can jump into. There's some really fun ones that I've been playing with uh, during bowl season. Bowl season's hard to bet anyways, but the prop bets have been a lot of fun, and I've actually won quite a bit on some of these props. So look into those, especially for this weekend's big games. The app is easy to use, super simple, easy to pick up right away, get running with it. Safe and secure transactions, always a premium there. And, of course, when you win, they pay you out Real fast, like lightning fast. Their guarantee is fewer than two hours. Usually you get it in about two minutes. Going to be honest. Already, um, if you have a FanDuel Sportsbook app already, they're hooking you up with the $50 Refer-A-Friend program. So when you refer a friend now, you get 50 bucks. your friend gets 50 bucks, and then coming up, the promo coming up uh, after the new year is Super Bowl tickets, which is big time. So don't miss your chance to win $150 of a $5 bet on the college football playoffs. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app today or head to sportsbook.fanduel.com and sign up using my promo code DEAN to get access to those 30-to-1 odds on any playoff team to win. 21 or over in President Arizona. New Year's is only $10 first deposit required. Must wager in designated offer market. Max bonus $150. Restrictions apply. See full terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. Cincinnati's keys to a victory and my prediction in the Cotton Bowl next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson, talking the Cotton Bowl college football playoff weekend is ahead of us. Tomorrow's big games, starting off with the Cotton Bowl, just talked about Alabama, a couple of their key players. For Cincinnati, honestly, like the key players are real simple, in, in my opinion. It's real simple. On offense, it's the offensive line. On defense, it's the defensive line. Look, Cincinnati has to overcome a massive, massive gap in recruiting prowess. 
And when I say that, I mean being able to get dudes in the trenches. It's been the biggest problem for schools like Arizona for years and also just in general in the Pac-12. Pac-12 offensive and defensive lines have rarely stacked up against the trench, uh, you know, the trench play from the Big Ten and the SEC. Uh, you know, Pac-12 has had to rely on other things, speed and, uh, and innovation and things like that. So for Cincinnati, look, it's real simple. They're going to have to find ways to overcome playing against five offensive, you know, five NFL offensive linemen and a slew of NFL defensive linemen uh, on the other side of the ball. They, they just have to overcome that. They're going to have to find ways to do this. They're going to have to get creative because if you try to go hat on a hat, they're going to get blown out. <laughs> Alabama will crush them if they try to do that. So they're going to have to get, they're going to have to get creative. And they've had plenty of time to do that. Whether they want, to, they're already a zone running scheme uh, team already for for offense. So so that that helps right there. They're not a power running team with small offensive linemen. So that's going to help already. They already have the scheme in play. Um, but they just they have to be able to not get decimated on the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. If their O-line can protect Desmond Ritter and allow him at least a little bit of time to work through his progressions, then that's obviously going to work out extremely well for Cincinnati. And if the defensive line can hold up enough not to get just absolutely mauled where Alabama is able to run the football and control the clock and keep the ball away from Cincinnati and also give Bryce Young plenty of time to throw the football if, if they can keep from just getting completely mauled out there, that is going to obviously serve and, and pay dividends because as good as their secondary is, you can't cover receivers for four seconds, five seconds. You just you, Nobody can do that. It's just not going to happen. So it's incumbent on, on Cincinnati to, to be able to control the line of scrimmage a little bit better. And, and look, the, those are the keys. They, they, have to, they have to find a way to, to do that. Now, Cincinnati, I talked about their secondary. Cincinnati, number one in the country this year in pass defense, number two in passing yards allowed. They only gave them 168 yards passing a game, which is insane. And they only allowed 16 points per game. They gave up 28 to South Florida. That's the most they gave up all year to a team. And that was kind of a, it was kind of a weird game. It was kind of a, a back and forth. Cincinnati had gotten up early, and then the second half it was back and forth. They looked like they weren't really playing for much. South Florida was like their Super Bowl, basically. Um, I was watching that game. And uh, it, it's, it, you know, it's an outlier. But 16 points a game is very impressive for that defense. Now, Alabama uh, averaging 42.5 points per game on offense. Ooh, man. This is, look, this is certainly a David and Goliath matchup in a college football playoff. This is not Alabama playing Mercer you know, the the week of Thanksgiving or the week before Thanksgiving for, you know, for cup, SEC Cupcake Tune-Up Week. Um, th- this is, you know, this is a legitimate team, and Alabama's favored by two touchdowns. Now, I'm going to wait to give my predictions here in a moment, but I kind of like the matchups here. Like, Alabama does not run the football well, and that's fine because Cincinnati doesn't have the dudes to be able to stop a power-running team. Alabama, a great passing team. Cincinnati, the best passing defense in the country. They have three guys in that back end and that secondary who are going to be playing in the league. Legitimately, three guys, and two of them are like six four, 
can run like gazelles. Like they, they are extremely talented in the secondary. Let's talk about the Orange Bowl. That game's going to be at 5.30 on ESPN immediately following the Cotton Bowl, of course. It features number two, Michigan, taking on number three, Georgia. Georgia is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. They opened as five-and-a-half. That has ballooned a little bit to a seven-and-a-half-point favorite for Georgia. The key players, in my opinion, in this game, the key units, if you will, some of them, you know, there may be a couple of units mixed in there as well. For Michigan on offense, it's their running backs. Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum, those two guys are it's it's going to be so important for them to first of all not turn the ball over they got to protect the football because Georgia is not great at turning teams over but they're very strong up front and will create fumbles but it's going to be really important for Haskins who of course had a huge game in the uh um in the Ohio State game, scored what five touchdowns that day. That was kind of a nice, nice uh, game for him. And then Blake Corum is kind of like their thunder and lightning, right? Haskins is more of like the inside guy. Corum more of the outside guy. They'll run wheel routes with him. He's kind of a sneaky little back, kind of like Travis Dye, like we see here at Oregon uh, on the West Coast. It's going to be really important for those guys to get into space against uh, against Georgia. Obviously, protect the football, but get into space, find areas where they can. You know they can you know, move about and use their you know use their speed, use their twitchiness to kind of get them into situations uh, where they can they can you know tack on extra yards. It's also very important that they don't fall down at the first arm tackle that they see. You know these guys are going to have to break tackles if Michigan's going to be able to get any kind of uh, you know any kind of yardage in the running game. Michigan is not going to try to reinvent the wheel here. Jim Harbaugh is going to do his thing. Jim Harbaugh is a uh, we run our stuff kind of guy, and although he does throw some tickeration in there from time to time, he's the guy that's going to line up with two tight ends. He's going to try to smash Georgia in the mouth. So it's really important that his running backs are able to break some tackles. On defense for Michigan, it's all about tackling. Secondary. The secondary has to tackle. Georgia's going to line up with two tight end sets just the same way that Michigan State did. Georgia's got very talented running backs just the same way Michigan State did, and we know how that turned out for Michigan. Kenneth Walker III ran all over that Michigan defense that day, handing Michigan their only loss of the season. Michigan has to figure that out. The way they can do that is by bringing those safeties into the box. You've got nine men in the box. Okay? You've got to bring those safeties in there, and they got to, the corners of the safeties have to tackle. Because when your front seven is hat on a hat against an SEC front seven like Georgia's, that's that's a no, you know that's basically a wash. So your four guys on the back end, or your three guys, one of them is going to be covering Pickens, the wide receiver. Your three guys in the back end have to be good at tackling. If if you if they start missing tackles on those Georgia running backs, this game's over. It's over already if they can't tackle. For Georgia on offense, their key player is George Pickens. He's it. Like he's like their only wide receiver. Um, you know, he had a huge monster day against Cincinnati in the bowl game last year. He was out most of the season with a knee injury this year. Uh, he's got three catches in two games, but th- he's had some time to, to to rehab right now. And this is going to be a huge, you know, a huge game for him. So George Pickens, a lot of times, is going to be the only receiver on the field for Georgia when they're running two tights, and it's going to be super important for him to beat his man. There's going to be man on man. Can he run quick slants? Is he able to run double moves? Is he able to get open and find space? If they can make a few big plays with George Pickens, that opens up the running game. It's going to spread the defense out. It's going to allow Georgia to run the football better. 
And on defense, the big man, of course. It's Jordan Davis. Jordan Davis, the, the, the immovable object situated right there in the center of Georgia's defensive line, 355 pounds, and just a, a, an absolute load to deal with. He is their key on defense because Michigan is going to line up and try to smash them in the mouth, and if he takes up two blockers at a time, it's going to be very difficult for Michigan to get off that way. Like, it's just they're just not going to be able to do the things that they want to do if they have to double Jordan Davis on every play. And I don't know a team that was able to not double him all season long. He was he was a problem for every team that Georgia played. So he's my he's my key to Georgia on defense. Obviously, he's the things that he's he's what makes it go. Every NFL team is salivating over bringing in Jordan Davis. Just whoever gets lucky enough to draft him. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, my predictions, including scores for the college football playoffs tomorrow. You're listening here on ESPN Tucson. It's the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. All right, so it's prediction time for the college football playoff games. And look, if if you've been listening, sorry, headset's messed up here. If you've been listening to me during this time here, you know that I certainly, you know, since sports gambling was made legal here in the state of Arizona, you know that I put my money where my mouth is. I, you know, I mean, I guess I don't have any way to prove it. I'm not going to show you my receipts or whatever, but. (laughs) <laughs> just know that I put my money where my mouth is. There are several people listening right now that know exactly what that means. Um, because I do share with them, uh, you know, friends, you know, hopefully they're listening. They better be listening. They're my friends. Um, and if they're not, they have some splaining to do. Uh, so, I, you know, I put my money where my mouth is. And I've already made my picks. I've made my bets. I've got them in on FanDuel Sportsbook. I even made, I made another one yesterday um, because they offered a promo, and I was like, well, hell yeah, I'm going to jump on that. That sounds good to me. So <laughs> I jumped on the promo that they're running. I'm like, yeah, give me some of that. I'll take that free money. Of course, I need the picks to win. So we'll see what happens. Here we go for the Cotton Bowl. Talked about it. Alabama has this ability to just smash teams when it comes down to it, when they're focused, when they're when they have a common goal in mind, when a national championship is is – you know, is on the horizon, the very, very near horizon. They just seem to rise to the occasion and win football games in big, big fashion. That being said, I like the matchup here for Cincinnati. I really do. I, maybe I'm crazy. And I might be the only person on planet Earth who's picking Cincinnati to win this game, but damn it, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pick Cincinnati to pull maybe the, the biggest upset in college football playoff history, whether it be college football playoffs or BCS, I mean, this is this would be a huge upset, not only because of who they're beating, but because Alabama's in a position to win a national championship, they don't lose those games very often. Very, very rarely do they lose those type of games. I just like the matchup. I don't know if Alabama's going to be able to throw the football like they want to. They have not been able to run the football all season long, which was what scares me the most, to be honest with you, that they find their running game finally against a, a smaller defensive front. 
that's what that's what scares me the most about picking Cincinnati in this. But I'm going to go with it. I'm going to I'm going to pick the upset, and I want chaos in college football, man. If, if we're going to have group of five teams playing, I want chaos. Give me the Bearcats, 33, the Tide, 31. In the Cotton Bowl, Cincinnati advances to the championship. In the Orange Bowl, again, it's about matchups. Um, you know, Georgia. I don't. I, nobody will say that Georgia was exposed against Alabama. Nobody's going to say that. It was just a. It was just a, a excellence in execution by the Crimson Tide when they needed it. Michigan, on the other hand, has done nothing but smash cake the two teams that they needed to on their way to get here. Ohio State and then Iowa in the Big Ten Championship game. They are playing their best football right now. I believe that Michigan is currently the best team in the country. And I like Michigan to upset Georgia in the Orange Bowl. Give me the Wolverines 24, the Bulldogs 23. So there you have it. I have my Cincinnati versus Michigan championship all set. And we'll see on Monday how that came to fruition. I'll be a much happier... If you hear me on Monday morning and I am all smiles and laughter, it's because I was able to walk about six tickets up to the ticket counter on my FanDuel Sportsbook over the weekend. All right, more to come. Hour number two, quick turnaround. Stay tuned. NFL is next right here on the Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson. Casino Del Sol Studio, the soul of Tucson. This is ESPN Tucson. KFFN Tucson. KWCX Tank of Verde. KMXZ HD4 Tucson.